But before we start, um, I'd like to, to, this class has been dedicated by the Smolyansky family in honor of Moshe Smolyansky's birthday. Really good, good, good year for him. A lot of brachas in everything. Should have a lot of nachas from him. Grow up to be a pride for your whole family. Another, and also in honor of a grandmother's yardside, Golda Bas Rabbi Yosef. May her neshama have a great aliyah to the greatest of heights, and may she channel a lot of brachas to you and your entire family. For only mazel bracha and happy, happy simchas, and only, only good things. Thank you. Okay. So now, um, this week is Parshas Bechukosai, and with this we conclude um, the book of Leviticus, the book of Bamid, I mean, Vayikra. And so in the parsha there is the blessings. This is like, in a sense, the end of the mitzvos, the end of all the commandments, so God, even though there are some commandments that happen later, and then in the repetition, but most of the commandments are completed in this week's Torah portion. So before that, there is a special covenant that God makes with the Jewish people in which we, He blesses and He gives the opposite of blessings. So the blessings are a whole nice bunch of blessings, and then there is a lot of harsh stuff, which sadly came upon Israel, came upon the Jewish people, and the long duration of exile, a lot of persecution and suffering. It says that in the end, God is going to remember the covenant. After everything, which is kind of the time that we're in right now, at the end of days, right before the coming of Moshiach, it says Hashem is going to remember the covenant that He made with our forefathers. Vizacharti, and I will recall, God says, as Brisi Yaakov, the covenant I've made with Jacob, with Yaakov. V'afes berisi Yitzchak, and also the covenant I've made with Isaac. With Yitzchak, v'afes berisi Avraham, and also the covenant I've made with Avram. Eskor, I will remember, v'ha'oretz Eskor, and I will remember the land. So we need to understand what is the idea of this recur- occurring right at the end, right before the Mashiach is coming. What's this remembrance of a covenant? that God made with Avra, with our patriarchs, with our fathers, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And what does it mean, I will remember the land? Why is the land come in succession? I will remember Avram, I remember Yitzhak, I'm sorry, I remember Yaakov. It goes in the backwards order. It starts with Yaakov, then it goes with Yitzhak, and then it goes back to Avram, to Abraham. I remember all these covenants, and the land I will remember. If God remembers the land, and therefore for the sake of the land of Israel, it's one thing, but why... Is it said in conjunction with remembering Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov? What we're going to do today is explain this on a very mystical, on a very Kabbalistic uh, explanation found in the teachings of the Or HaTorah from the 
Tzamach Tzedek, the third Chabad Rebbe, in which he explains the deep, the depth, the deeper meaning of what this means. It is really fascinating. I will, however, say that it is for a mature crowd only. Okay, it's a PG-13 class. So uh, I, would, I would, meaning, as you'll see. What's needed, however, is that um, we understand that we have to divest and, and remove the physicality from it and appreciate it in its abstraction and it's complete abstraction, not, God forbid, to give any kind of physical associations, because we're dealing with something extremely, extremely spiritual and abstract and divine, yet, being that our physical world is created as an expression of the divine, and to, and to allow us to, everything in the physical world is a metaphor for the, for the, for the godly. So all aspects of physical life are, are, are supposed to be symbolic, but not only symbolic. When, when we're living in the world of Mashiach, the physical world is perfectly synchronized with the spiritual world. So the truth is, these physical actions, which devoid of all meaning, are very coarse, but when they express the divine, they're extremely, extremely godly. So we are going to use the metaphor of the physical intimacy and union between a man and a woman, between a husband and a wife, to understand the depth of what is really happening over here in this, in this, in this verse. Okay, so to understand this, um, there's a lot of mention of bris. Bris means covenant. Um, in these psukim. In the end it says, God says, I will recall and I will remember the covenant I made with Yaakov. Earlier... It says, Hashem says, I will bring upon you a sword. And part of the curses, part of the hard, 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 hard verses. God says, I will bring upon you, if you don't behave, I will bring upon you a sword. And it says, I will bring upon you a sword, that will take, that takes vengeance, the vengeance of the covenant. So what does it mean God says, I will avenge the covenant with a sword? The Jewish people sadly have been no stranger to the sword. So many Jews have been massacred. But what does it mean? It's the vengeance of the covenant. Simply it means because you've broken the covenant. But what, what does it mean, broken the covenant? What have we broken? What have we violated in the covenant? So there's two opinions what this means, the violation of the covenant. In Tractate in the Gemara, Masech Shabbos. Tractate Masech Shabbos. Here, hold on. Yeah. Daf Lamed Beis, I think. In Tractate Masech Shabbos, Daf Lamed Beis, or Lamed Gimel, no. Page 33. It says, I will bring upon you a sword that takes vengeance for the vengeance of the covenant. Ve'ein bris ela Torah. It's referring to the lack of Torah study. Torah is called the covenant. As it says in the Pasuk, It's a Pasuk that says, it's a verse that says, that verse is in Yermio, in Jeremiah. It says, if not for my covenant of day and night, 
the laws of nature, the, la- the laws of heaven and earth, I would have never placed. So God is basically saying it's Torah study that validates and gives meaning to creation. Without Torah study, and that's why Jews have a tradition, that if the world would be without one Jew studying Torah, then the world could not, it would, it, it would, it would, the world would cease to exist. And what keeps the power flow from God to the world is there has to be at least one person studying Torah all the time. Because night and day, different places in the world, there's always someone learning. Uh, but there needs to be Torah study all the time. In that verse it says, if not for my covenant day and night. So the, 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 from here the sages say that means Torah. Because what's the mitzvah, what's the one commandment that applies day and night? Constant. It's the covenant, it's Torah study. That's the mitzvah that a person, the verse says, you should study it, yomam v'layla, day and night. The commandment to Torah study is nonstop. Every free moment that a person has, one has the obligation to study Torah. So therefore, the Talmud is saying, since we find that bris is referring to Torah, so when it says in the, in, in the um, tochacha, in the, in, in the rebuke, it says that, that I will bring a sword that will take revenge for the breaking of the covenant is referring to a, a lack of Torah study on the Jewish people's part. That's the Talmud. The Zohar, however, the Zohar, however, says that the meaning of, according to the Zohar, the, 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 when it says, I will bring upon you a sword that will take revenge for the covenant, it's referring to a blemish in one's sexual life. Because that's the simple meaning of bris. You know, when a child is born, we give the child the bris. Where is the bris? So the bris involves someone's sexuality. So the idea of, in Kabbalah, that's in Hasidut, and in the, it's called shmirat habris. Shmirat habris means that a person has to watch their sexual energy. That it, one should, it should only be used in a holy, may, in a holy way. In, in, a, in a holy way, which means in a kosher marriage. So when, the, when it says in the verse, I will take revenge, the revenge, the sword that takes revenge for the revenge of the bris, the chemist, the kambris, it's referring to um, the sins involving one's sexual life. The high cherev called this the Okay, that's what we see over here. Because the choman the meshaka bibris, anybody that lies in the covenant, that means doesn't treat the covenant in a holy way. And nukma the nakbe menei b'hai cherevu. So then the, 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 that, the, the punishment, God forbid, is through the sword. Okay. I'm going to come back to the Zohar soon because there's something very, very fascinating about it. So we kind of see that, it's, that we have like two opinions. What is the bris that we're talking about? Is the bris referring to Torah or is it referring to brit milah? Okay, the bris of uh, the circumcision the, and the, the element of the mitzvah of, of, of what, we, we, what, we in, what we would call the mitzvah of being holy. Okay? So now, um, well, now this idea we find already in, in, in many other places in this in Chazal. When it says in the Pasuk, the very verse that I mentioned earlier, the Pasuk that I said before him, Loi berisi not for my covenant day and night. Um, we find that the Gemara, in some places, the Gemara re- um, reads that to mean 
Torah. I just showed you that Eloi Barisi Yom Avalayla is referring to Torah. But we also have that the Gemara uses that very verse, if not for my covenant day and night, that the covenant of day and night is referring to bris mila. It's referring to the circumcision. And this is also in Tractate Shabbos, in the very same Tractate, on page 137, Kuflam at Zayan Ahmed Beis. The Gemara says, uh, hold on over here. When, 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 when one gives a circumcision for a, for a convert, the Gemara is talking about the blessings you say during a circumcision. So when someone is doing a circumcision for a Jew, there's a certain blessing for a Jewish baby, certain blessing. For a convert, you say, um, that God commanded us on the circumcision. And then he says, sorry, to circumcise the, the, the converts. And to take out the blood of the covenant. If not, for the blood of the covenant, heaven and earth would not be able to stand. As it says, it's not for my covenant day and night. The statues, statutes of heaven and earth, I would not have placed. So you see, this is a pasuk in Yirmiyahu, Perak Lamed Gimel. It's saying that the world is standing on the bris, but. In, in, in one place in Tractate Masech the Shabbos, it says that's, that's referring to Torah study. In another place, in the very same Tractate, in Masech the Shabbos, Tractate Shabbos, in the Talmud, it's, it's referring to the bris milah. That's why we're saying it, we're saying that by the circumcision, when we're doing a circumcision, on the bris milah, it's referring to that covenant. So we see different ways. Now, it's, now this we can also find in Masech the Nedarim, Tractate Nedarim, the Gemara brings two opinions. The Gemara actually brings in one place two opinions. If it's referring to Torah study, or it's referring to, when we talk about the covenant, which covenant are we talking about? On the same Pasuk. Because the Mishnah, Masechtis Nadarim, on Daf Lamed Aleph, the Mishnah, Masechtis Nadarim says, G'day um, Mila. Uh, Mila is so great, circumcision is so great. If not for circumcision, God would never have created His world. So said God. If not for my covenant of day and night, I would never have placed the laws of heaven and earth. Okay? It's clearly talking about bris mila. Then on the next page, the Gemara brings what it says in the Mishnah. And the Gemara says, hold on, Upligi the Rebbe Lazar, this is an argument, that what it says over here is arguing with another opinion of Rebbe Lazar. I'm sorry, not Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Eliezer. What does Rebbe Eliezer say? To Omer Rebbe Eliezer. Rebbe Eliezer says, Gedoy Torah, Torah is great. She'ilu mali Torah, if not for Torah, lainiskaimu shemaim v'aretz, heaven and earth would never be established. Shanemar, as it says in the Pasuk, Imloi Barisi if not for my covenant day and night, this very same verse. But you see the Gemara, the Talmud is saying it's according to Rabbi Eliezer, it's referring to Torah. So we have two opinions. That's what we basically boil it down to. And the same is also, therefore, when it comes to 
the violation of the covenant, which in Pasha's Bukhukhoisai says that God is going to take vengeance with a sword. And he calls it Nokemes Nikambris, the sword that takes vengeance for the violation of the covenant. There too we find two opinions. In the Sechtes Shabbos, it, it's referring to lacking of Torah study. And in, and in Zohar, it says clearly it's referring to um, not being careful with the, other, with the circumcision, with the other covenant. So we see it's both. To understand this, appreciate why both. It must mean that both of them are connected. So let's take a look at an interesting passage in Sefer Yetzirah. Okay, Sefer Yetzirah is one of the most fundamental books on Kabbalah, on Jewish mysticism. There are those who attribute it to Avram Avinu. That our father Avram was the one who authored this book. Deep secrets that, he, that was revealed to him from above. Others attribute it to Rabbi Akiva, the book of Yetzirah. In any case, I'm not quoting from Sefer Yetzirah right now, I'm quoting from Pardes, who brings the Sefer Yetzirah, but I'm basically qu- quoting from Sefer Yetzirah. It says over there as follows, Eser Sfirois, Belima, this is in the third Mishnah, it's called Mishnah Gimel, in the third Mishnah of Sefer Yetzirah. It says, Eser Sfirois, there are ten, ten attributes, ten Sefirot, Belima, that are not really defined, they don't really have a true definition. Mispar Eser boys, and they correspond so the concept of ten sfirot, we find already all the way in the early, early writings of Kabbalah, all the way to the book of Yetzirah written by Avram Avinu. He says over there, they correspond to the ten fingers. Ten fingers of the hand. Chamesh keneget chamesh. Five corresponding to five. Ubris yachid mechavenes be'emtza. And then there is a singular covenant that's in between. What is that? Bimilas Loshin u Bimilas Mo'or. The one covenant that's between the five and the five. There are ten attributes corresponding to five fingers, but there's one bris that's between both of them. And what is the one bris? The tongue and the bris mila. Right? So these are the, and this, this is the bris that's between the five fingers. So as the Pardes explains, what does that mean? Why do, do we need to have two bris? If it's one bris, why is it two? Because five fingers are double in the person. You have five fingers on your hands, or ten fingers on your arms, five fingers on the legs. And in order for these five, for these ten, ten fingers, which represent the spherot, to function, in order for them to as we're soon going to see, there needs to be a powerful mediator between them. The mediator between the powers of the, finger, of the fingers, both on the hands and on the legs, on the feet, on the toes, is a power called bris. And so the upper part of the body, the bris is the tongue. The bris is the tongue. The covenant is the tongue. And in the lower part of the body, it is the sexual organ of the person, which is the bris that's in between the five toes and five toes. So here we see that the two... Oh, now, the tongue, what's the mitzvah you have on your tongue? 
What commandment do we have on our tongue to learn Torah? Torah study, vidibaritabam, speak in them. So here we see an alignment between the lower bris, the circumcision, the lower bris, and the higher bris. The lower bris is the bris for the five fingers, I'm sorry, for the ten fingers on the hands, and the lower bris is the bris, the achid, the power that unifies on the lower part of the body, which are the ten, ten, um, ten toes on the leg. The way the pardes, who is Ramak, Ramosha Kardavu, explains it, why do you need to have double ten? It's ten spherot. Why do you have double ten? So he explains, because there are ten spherot in the world of Atzilut, in the world of emanation, which is a world that's purely divine. It's still, it's still the realm of godly. It's not yet, it's still prior to creation. There are ten spheros in that realm. And then these ten spheros, they extend and manifest and enclose themselves in a lower level of spherot, which are the attributes that are already within creation. And they are called the ten spheros of Bria. Bria means already creation. And that's why we have two, two dimensions. The ten fingers of the hands represent, are metaphoric and symbolize the ten spherots, ten attributes of the world of Atsilos, of purely divine. The ten spherots of the feet represent the ten spherots of the world of Bria, which is already in creation. And what does it mean? When you want to draw that all godly input, all divine energy flow into the universe and into the cosmos has to go through the fingers, has to go through the attributes. But it goes in two stages. Stage number one is that it enters into the divine sphere that's the source of creation, but it's not yet creation. So that's the first descent. God is directing His infinite light into a range that's already a source for creation, but it's above creation. And then the next stage is to actually lower it down lower to, be in, to actually manifest into the creation itself. Into the literal creation, which is the world of Bria. And from the world of Bria, it will translate into the world of Yetzira, which means for, uh, formation, and eventually into the material world, the world of completion, which is our material physical world. But once it already entered in creation, it's already going to come down. It's already going to descend. It's going to manifest down here. So that's the difference. And therefore he says, in the body, there is a, a, the diaphragm. Diaphragm is like the, the, at the center of the body that separates between the upper organs, the higher human being, from the chest and higher, where the lungs are, oxygen, heart, brain, all the higher functions are in the upper part of the body. The diaphragm acts as like a partition. And then the lower part of the body for the stomach, where the, 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 the digestive organs, the feet, and so on and so forth. So we know, Kabbalistically, there's a concept that between the world of Atzilut, the world of emanation, and the world of Bria, there is a parsa, there is a partition. And that's why in the human being, it's also that way. There is a partition between the higher human and the lower human. And, but, but here we see two times the ten fingers. Ten fingers on your feet, ten fingers on your, on your, on your, in your, in your hands, and in both of them there has to be a bris that a something called the covenant, the bris that that that's at the center. The upper upper bris is the tongue, bris haloshon, and the lower bris is called bris hamor, which is the physical bris circumcision or the 
the, 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 the sexual element of the person. So these are the two bris. Why do you need a bris? What's the idea of the covenant? So the Tzemach Tzedek explains. And he says like this, God is really infinitely, inherently, absolutely above and beyond any type of attribute. Because attributes are already definitions. Attributes give already character. And by giving character to the light and to the energy, they're already defining it. And God is undefinable. So Hashem infinitely transcends all definitions and all attributes. So therefore, in order for Him to channel His light down into the attributes, into the fingers, you need a powerful entity that acts as something that pulls. A powerful attached Atta- uh, what do you call it? Something that that can that 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 brings about attachment, and that's the idea of the tongue. When someone is talking to you, how, how do you communicate? You, know, you meet someone. You know, you, know, you, know, you, know, you go to go to a party. You go to you go to a shul. You go wherever you go. There's a lot of people. Hi, this and that. Where do you attach? And you actually become truly a conscious of the other individual and actually draw the other person into your life. It's through your tongue. You start talking, you start a conversation, you make that connection. The bris of the tongue. So therefore, that connection of God, of the Ein Sof, to the spheros, which means to come into the ten fingers, requires the tongue. And what's the tongue? Torah study. Torah study is that communication with the divine, which keeps the Ein Sof flowing downward, filling the fingers, the supernal cosmic fingers, the ten spherot of Atzilus with divine light. But that's not enough because the energy is still transcendental. The energy is still high and above the creation. Then you need the next level to bring the light down, down to the divine, to Hashem's feet, to God's legs. Hashem's feet means to bring it down actually into creation. As the verse says, Vaha'aretz and the earth, Hadom Ragli is where God plants his feet. So you have to bring the light down, grounding it, not down, 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 down into the actual creation, into the world. Well, that happens through the ten leg, ten fingers, the ten toes of, so to speak, God. God's ten toes. But how does the energy travel down to the toes? It's through the, the uh, bris mila, which in sometimes is referred to as a third leg. It's like a third leg. It's, like a, it's the center leg. Where do we have that? It says in the verse, Shalosh Regalim, three legs, Tachagli Bashana, that we celebrate three holidays, three pilgrimage holidays. How, how do the three pilgrimage, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkos, how are the three pilgrimage holidays referred to? As legs, because we really have three feet the right leg and the left leg, and then there is the center leg, which is the bris mila, and that's the center. And which is Torah, interesting. So these are the three legs that there are, and and in on the higher realm it's the Torah and it's the Torah study, and in the lower realm it's now really the reason why there it's two things. In order for the attributes to function in 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 unison, there's another thing. It's not just in order to bring the energy flow into the attributes, but in order that the attributes should function in harmony. The right hand and the left hand are two opposite energies in the human being. The right side of the person is a flow of kindness. 
The left side of the human being is the flow of discipline. And it's possible that these two energies, these two powers will not will be will be fragmented. They'll be going off like you're seeing in American politics today, that the right is going completely to the right and the left is going completely to the left and there is no harmony. There is no, no interaction. There is no connection going. Be- and everybody feels 100% right and justified in there, but there is no middle. There's no, there's no bringing it together. That bringing it together in the attributes, in the divine attributes, require a flow of energy that transcends both right and left and it causes that null. When you surrender to something higher, to something greater, the, the extremes can, can unify, can synchronize. When there's no surrender, when, 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 when one is caught up only in themselves, in their own agenda, in themselves, then they clash. So it's dysfunctional. So for the human being to act as one unit, you need this power of alignment, which is the center which is both on the upper human, it's the tongue, and in the lower human, it's the, it's the bris, mila. Now, um, if the higher energy flows through Torah study, which is the connection, that's the bris that keeps the divine flow, um, what does it mean? How do you, what are the legs in our, I said earlier that the legs means to transition these divine powers from the inner world to the more external world, to the actual creation. How is that accomplished? So that is accomplished by our service of God that is, that is called our feet. What's our service to Hashem that's called feet? Our service to God that's called feet is practical mitzvah observance. The doing of mitzvahs, actual doing of mitzvahs, that's physical action. So mitzvah observance, mitzvah observance is considered our legs. Torah study is considered, as we said earlier, our tongue or the fingers. It's a higher realm of, 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 of light. But then there is the mitzvah. By the way, I said earlier that Torah is that Torah is the tongue. And the tongue that unifies the five fingers on the right and on the left. That's why we find... And when God gave the Torah, the Torah is given on two tablets. Five tablets on one, five tablets on the other. These are the five fingers and the five fingers. And these tablets are like, in essence, they would be two separate energies. Completely, each one onto their own. The unification of these, of these five commandments and five commandments to harmonize and to unify and to become one comes about, comes about through through the power of Torah study, which is that tongue, as we said earlier, which is the center that unifies both the tablets on the right and the tablets on the left. But what are the legs? The leg is mitzvah observance. Like we find many times, the Torah uses the word walking for mitzvahs, like it is in this Torah portion, right at the beginning of the parsha, It says, in kaisai, if in my statues, telechu you will walk, statutes you will walk. If in my commandments you will walk. So you see, it's, it's the idea of walking. And what is the idea of walking? Why is it called walking? Because in mitzvah observance, we are grounding the divine. We're channeling God down. Unlike Torah study, which is more of a spiritual exercise, it's more of a mental, it's more of a mental uh, cerebral type of an experience of the mind, a mitzvah observance involves 
physical toil and sweat and movements of your physical limbs and organs. And that's what brings God down all the way, all the way down into the earth, and that's the legs. But as we said earlier, the power in the legs comes from the center, which as we said earlier means the bris milah, because the bris milah is between the two legs. So that's why, what does that mean? It means that the mitzvah of bris milah, of circumcision, is the root and the essence of all 613 commandments. That's why the word bris, bris, which is what we use for bris milah, bris, is gematria 612. Tough and resh. And how many mitzvahs? 613. Because, and in gematria we know we can always add the word as one. So 612, 613. Milah, that is all 613 commandments. That's why Avram Avinu, our father Abraham, even though he kept all of the mitzvot, the sages tell us that he kept all the mitzvahs before they were given, but he didn't act, but he wasn't commanded only on one. Which mitzvah was his mitzvah that he was commanded was on the Milah. Because this mitzvah is the root and core of all the mitzvahs. Take that further. A baby, until a child is 13 or a boy is 13 and a girl is 12, when they become bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, right? Until that age, they're not obligated to mitzvahs. But the one mitzvah we do immediately with a child, when they're eight days old, is give them a bris milah. Because as soon as the child has the circumcision, it's already as if they've kept all the commandments. On a deeper level, circumcision, as we said before, involves the sexual or organ, in which we use for procreation. And when we create a child, the flow of energy, the seminal drop that, the, that, that is transmitted, basically is the entire human being. It's got all 248 limbs. It's got the potential of 248 limbs. How many commandments are there? 248. Corresponding to 248 of God's limbs. So where do you have all the mitzvahs wrapped into one? In brismila, because brismila is the, is the seminal drop that contains within itself the power and the potency of the entire body. So that's one mitzvah that includes them all. Now before we continue for a let's go, let's, reach, let's trace our way back for a moment. We said earlier that Torah, the two brisen that there are is the bris of the tongue, the bris ha'aloshoin, the bris of the tongue, which comes through Torah study, and the, and the bris milah. In a sense, one of them is the root of Torah, of the more spiritual aspect of the divine, and the other one is the root of the legs, the three legs that we spoke about earlier. Three legs, the, which, which is the root of all material, physical absorption observance. Which one is more potent? Which one is stronger? So we know an interesting thing. The legs are far inferior to the hands. The hands is where you can do real, real, real artistic work. You can paint, you can write, you can the upper it expresses so much more of the of the higher human talents. The legs can't do I mean we walk but not I mean, the legs don't have the sophistication that the hands have. In other words, there are deeper elements of your soul that you can express with your hands. You can't really express them with your legs. But the legs have a quality over even the head. And what is that? They can take the head where the head needs to go. Not only that, 
Only with the legs can the let, can the head be elevated? You can get onto a chair and lift your head up to a higher place. You can walk up the stairs or go on top of a mountain. And then your head is going to be elevated to a much higher place because of your legs. So the legs have a quality that they carry the head to places where the, le- where the, where the head can't go. What does that mean spiritually? It means that through practical observance of mitzvot, of, 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 of performance of mitzvahs, we achieve a higher connection with God that we will never achieve with all the scholarly study. All of our learning and knowing and knowledge doesn't take us as high as, 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 uh, the, 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 as the mitzvah, as the physical mitzvah, the putting on of the tefillin, the giving of the charity, giving the tzedakah. Doing any physical mitzvah impacts much deeper. Why? So in Kabbalah Kabbalah terminology, it says that the mitzvot, we said earlier how many commandments are there, physical commandments are there? 613. Add to it the seven rabbinic commandments, makes it 620. 620 is gematria keser, crown. That means that the mitzvahs are rooted in the level of the divine called keser. Keser, keser is the crown. Now where does a crown sit? Above the head, on top of the head. Head, if we will, if if we're going to attribute above by God a head, what's God's head? The three intellectual faculties of the divine: chachma, bina, and das. Chachma is wisdom, bina is understanding, das is knowledge. But we're talking about God's chachma, God's bina. But yet the crown is above the head. Why? Because the Chachma Bina Das, the Chabad, is part of the ten sefirot, part of the attributes. Keser, the crown, is infinitely above the attributes. It's Ein Sof, it's infinite. Mitzvahs are rooted in the crown. Torah is rooted, what's Torah? Torah is the divine knowledge. Mitzvahs are God's will. Mitzvahs are Hashem's Ratzon. Torah is Hashem's wisdom. So therefore, Torah draws the energy from God's head. Mitzvahs draw from the crown. And that's what we mean, that through mitzvahs, even your head is lifted up. Because the head, the generally, the generally, generally the head of the Jew, the head of the person, can only connect to God's wisdom through learning Torah. But when you're doing a mitzvah, you're now empowering your mind to reach for what transcends the mind. The Ein Sof. That's the power of mitzvahs. That's why it says an interesting thing in Torah or in the writings of Shneer Zalman of Liadi. He says an amazing thing in Patras Beratius. He says that a person that occupies himself with helping others, charitable acts, giving tzedakah physically, but primarily giving of your time and your energy to help others. And you might think that, wow, teaching... Uh, inspiring, getting other Jews to do mitzvahs, you might think that that's compromising on your own spirituality. You might do it anyways because your love for another, for a fellow man might be so strong that you're willing to compromise and sacrifice your own benefit for someone else, but you're still feeling like you're compromising. See, he says that's not really the case. Because if you're doing mitzvahs, if you devote yourself to help Jews or do other mitzvahs, whatever help you're doing, you're doing acts of mitzvahs that you're doing, you're spending of your energy, your time, he says one's mind and one's heart becomes a thousand times more potent 
That means what you can study in one hour, if you're going to meditate or think or try to learn and understand in one hour, your mind is going to be sharper and quicker a thousandfold than without those mitzvahs. And the reason for that is, as explained by the Tzemach Tzedek, the level of keser is called elef, a thousand. Pele. Pele, pele is keser. Pele, wonder. The word pele in Hebrew means a wonder that's beyond the head. And that's why the ain't sof, the infant, is what you wonder about. When you rearrange the letters, you get the word aleph. Or eleph, a thousand. So since when you're doing mitzvahs, through your legs, that's the mitzvahs are your legs, it's lifting your head, we're up into, it. Li- so we said earlier physically, the legs lift the head to, to higher places. So spiritually it's also that way. Devoting your time to do a mitzvah and help other Jews, or whatever it is, you're actually lifting your spiritual head to levels that are higher. And that's the idea that the regalayim, the feet, can go higher than the head. And we see it also, this will also reflect, in the two bris that we spoke about. Between the fingers, there is the tongue, and between the, between the legs is the bris, is the, is, the, is the sexual organ of the person. What do we see? An interesting thing. We see an amazing thing. We see that, what do you say, when you're teaching, what, what can your tongue do? A tongue can teach. It can, can teach what? It can, can teach knowledge. What are you teaching? Now, a person can't give their brains through their tongue. You cannot deliver your brain itself through your tongue. You could, be, you could deliver the information in your brain. You can't give your mind... You can give maybe a... You can say, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind, right? <laughs> you can give a piece of your mind, but you can't even give a piece of your mind. You can give a teaching. You can give the rays of your mind, information of your mind, concepts of your mind. But you can never... Tr- I can't download my very brain into you. But there's one way that you could download your very brain. And that is through having a child. When you're having a child, when a father is creating a child through the intimacy he's having with his wife, which is through the bris, through that sexual uh, action, what is, what, is he con- what is he conveying and transmitting? He's transmitting a physical substance that in that physical substance, he puts in the entire DNA of himself. And the child will have the father's brain. Because the child has actually, because we know of a child, a child is like the parent. So the child has the actual, so he does, when, let's say for a teacher to students, which is through your tongue, through teaching, you're giving just a ray of your mind. You're not giving the substance of your mind. But in a, in a, in a, in a sexual transmission, in an intimacy, you're giving of the substance of your being. That corresponds to what we were saying earlier, that mitzvahs, which are done with your leg, which the bris mila, I said earlier, is the center of all mitzvot. It's the center. Where do we see that? Because bris is gematria 613. And Avram Avinu only had what? One mitzvah, which is the potency of all the commandments. And a child, a baby, which we want him to keep all the commandments. But you can't give him all of them. You give him one of them. And it's all. you see that that's more potent than the Torah study, which is coming from the tongue. So the lower bris, in a sense, has the superiority 
over the higher bris, over the higher covenant. Yet, notwithstanding the superiority of the higher bris over the, I'm sorry, the lower bris over the upper bris, over the upper covenant, which is the tongue, the sages say that Torah study is greater than mitzvah observance. We just built up a whole buildup that a mitzvah is greater than Torah study. Yet the sages say that Torah study is greater than mitzvahs. What do they say that? They say, Godol Talmud, Talmud, Talmud is greater. Shemevi maisa. It brings you to action. Torah study is great because it brings to action. So what does that mean, Torah is great, that it brings to action? So first of all, in that itself, you see that action is greater because Torah is only great because it leads... It's a catch-22. Torah is great because it leads you to action. But then which one is greater? The action is greater because Torah is only greater because it leads you to action. But what's the deeper meaning that Torah is great that it leads to action? Phenomenal. Watch how suddenly the the mystical world opens up in front of you. It's unbelievable. What does that mean? You see, in order for a mitzvah to have vitality, in order for a mitzvah to really be a mitzvah, the point of a mitzvah is not just doing nice charitable acts. It's not just doing being a mensch. Doing mitzvahs is not about being a mensch. Doing a mitzvah is not just about being humanly good. Doing a mitzvah is about being divinely good. The real idea of doing mitzvahs is that we merit that our limbs, our physical organs and our physical limbs become conveyors and channels of the infinite divine light. That's what's happening. You're actually experiencing a current a current of infinite light flowing through your body when you're doing a mitzvah. It's a miracle that we don't feel it. Because if we would feel it, we would die on the spot. <laughs> because we couldn't, we couldn't, God forbid, hold such intense voltage. We wouldn't be able to experience such intense pleasure and ecstasy. So it's not felt until, the, until Mashiach comes. Then we will feel. Then we will have the capacity to feel it. But now we don't. But that's what's happening. That's the godly of a mitzvah. But, it's, but in order for us to do that, the mitzvah has to be done with vitality. The mitzvahs have to be done with warmth. The mitzvahs have to be done with energy. Really? You know what it's really all about, every mitzvah? Every mitzvah is really an act of intimacy with God. It's a moment of attachment. It's a moment where God is actually having a intimate relationship with your soul and through your soul into the creation. And if you're in a sexual relationship in an intimacy and you're cold and you're not there because you're spacing out because your mind is elsewhere because you're not interested, there's no intimacy. The partner loses all interest. When their partner is not into it, then the other one is totally like, like what's, what's, unless the person is just whatever, is looking for, is looking to be, to, to use someone. No, but I'm saying if there's an intimacy, if there's a true intimacy, there has to be a bonding taking place from both, from both partners. They're really deeply connecting. And therefore the sages tell us an interesting thing. They tell us that mitzvot, mitzvahs, tzricha is kavana. That mitzvahs, it's not enough to do a mitzvah, mitzvah needs intention. 
So simply the way most people understand it means a mitzvah needs intention means when you're doing a mitzvah, I have to at least be aware that I'm doing a mitzvah. I have to do this act to want to fulfill the commandment of the mitzvah. But the deeper meaning of mitzvahs need intention means that a person when he's doing a mitzvah has to realize that I am now channeling God and I am longing and I'm excited and I'm, I'm, I, my heart is, is, is racing because I'm now in this incredible union with God that's taking place between my limbs and God's limbs in this, in this, in this great intimacy. It's unbelievable. And that's what a person has to think when they're doing a mitzvah. They want to draw down the Urin Saif into the vessels of the world, into the channels of creation. There has to be that awareness. Let's call it mindfulness. There has to be that mindfulness. Or else when the mitzvah is done in a cold way, and when you're, when you're mindless, and your mind is elsewhere, then God won't be present at, as well. And that's just like a dead mitzvah. There's no energy there. There's no flow. There's no flow. Um, this, this idea, this idea, now, so in Hasidus it says, how do you create, how do you create that excitement? Where do you create? In the middle of the day, you know, you have an opportunity to do a mitzvah. You're not in a divine space. You're not thinking about God. You're, right now, God is not on your mind. You're busy with your business. You're busy with your world. There's a thousand emails you have to answer. You're in the middle, of, and now someone comes in, needs tzedakah. You're giving them a check. Or you're giving them $20 or $10, whatever you're giving them. You're doing a mitzvah. You're not at this moment conscious of this great spiritual light that's flowing through you. How do you achieve that? So it says like this, the kavana of the mitzvah is something that you can't generate just like this in the middle of the day. You're supposed to do that during prayer. During prayer, during davening, especially shachris, which is a longer prayer, the morning service, that's when you create the kavana for the whole day. In other words, during davening, if we daven not just by rote, and we're not just mumbling words, but we're actually having meditative prayer, and we're evoking and stimulating within ourselves an appreciation of God, an appreciation of the infinite, the magic of the Ein Sof. So then we create within ourselves love and fear, awe, love and awe. We get excited. And we want to cleave to God, but you can't sit and pray all day long. You got to go out and make a living. Got to take care. So with that, with that powerful love and, and, and attachment that you created during the prayer, you go into your day, and whenever a mitzvah comes your way, or even consciously you're seeking mitzvahs, you're channeling that energy, that love, and that excitement into, into the action. And the action, then your mitzvah actions are not dry. They're done with vitality. They're done with energy. You're alive in that. In that. So therefore he says, that in, 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 a, in a discourse in... Um, in, it's, the mimer is Lahibit Avin Be'Yaakov, a very fascinating uh, discourse in, in, in Lakuti Torah from Shneir Zalman of Liyadi, where he explains this idea that the kavana of the mitzvahs is davening. So he says, where do we see that in davening? That it's the kavana of the mitzvahs. The, how, many, how many positive commandments are there? Altogether we said 613. But how many positive commandments? An action of doing. There are 248. Corresponding to the 248 limbs. Now, limbs can't function unless there is a spine. We understand that. The spine 
is the central nerve station, grand central station of the body, is the stein, the, the, is the, is the, I want you to say that. The, 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 the stein is that, is that, is that, I just say the, I say the railroad uh, tracks that runs through the entire, and all the stations are connected, right, to that one tracks that's coming through. The, the spine, especially, the, and the spinal cord is what, what brings the entire, the, the, the nerves through there. You have nerves, and, and therefore you're able to connect all your limbs to your brain. It's all through the... So how many vertebrae are there in which the limbs connect? It's 18 vertebrae in the body. There are 18 vertebrae. The vertebrae in, in, in... So obviously physically if it's that way, it's because spiritually it's that way. That is the 18 blessings of the Amida. Shmona, it's called Shmona Esrei. When you say the Amida, which is the main part of the prayer... You say 18 times, Baruch HaTashem. Baruch HaTashem, blessed are you God. So that means that what's the life force of all the, six, of all the 248 commandments? It's the center, which is the Shemona Esrei, the 18 vertebrae. In other words, that's when you're channeling the light down and the energy down, and it's available to flow in every mitzvah. In every mitzvah, you're inserting God into a certain portion of the cosmos, which is connected to what your physical action that you're doing. But you have to be connected to God. If you're not connected to God, because you're totally disconnected, you're elsewhere. So where do you connect? That's by Shmona Esri. Now, how does that translate into an intimacy? Because we said we're in intimacy. Every time we're doing a mitzvah, we're in intimacy with God. The excitement, the 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 yesod, the 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 um, the bris, in order for it to be right, it draw. Where, where, is, where, where is it really drawing its? As we said before, that seminal flow. That's the life-giving energy, right? Which can create a child, right? Where is it really coming from? It's coming from the brain. Because that, that's where you're drawing the, from when a person is transmitting the life essence of his being to create a child. It's coming from their brain. But how does it travel down to the actual um, bris, as we said earlier? How does it travel down? It goes through the spine, through the 18 vertebrae. It's that traveling down. So here's what's happening. During when, when, when we, the pneumius, the, 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 the inner light of all mitzvah observance is prayer because prayer channels that flow, that connection down to the yesod. Yesod is the sexual uh, organ. And from there, it's transmitted into the world, in this case, Spiritually, the female, who's the female? Female represents the Shekhinah, represents the creation. So you're channeling godly light into the creation and into the Shekhinah and into the world. This is the intimacy. But you need to first have the Kavana. What's the Kavana? The Kavana, the 18 prayers, the 18 blessings in Shemona Esrei, which bring the seminal drop down from the brain, from the Das, down to the Yesod. And from the yesod that's being transmitted. And, and when you're doing a mitzvah, 
As you said before, bris mila is the root of all mitzvahs. It's all about that channel bringing light into the Shekhinah. As we say before every mitzvah, we want to cause a union between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah, but we need to channel it down through the 18 vertebrae, which is, which is, which is by, where is that done? That is done through Shemona Esrei, which creates the Kavana, which then the Kavana, which is the intention, which then the Kavana, that becomes the life force of every mitzvah. If you don't daven, if you don't pray in the morning, and you're just busy doing mitzvahs, it's without warmth, it's without life, there's not really much transmission happening. And that's why the mitzvahs need kavana. How do you stimulate that kavana? What enhances prayer? What enhances prayer? Prayer is das. Prayer is you focus your mind deeply till you can sense God, and you get excited about God. That's the prayer, das. Das is the third of the three faculties of the brain. There's chachma, there is bina, wisdom, understanding, and das. Das is knowledge. So das is feeding off chachma and bina, which are in the front. Chachma and bina feed the das. That's why it's Torah study that informs your prayer. Because Torah is chachma and bina. So when you have in Torah study, you have your Chachma and Bina functioning, then that informs your prayer. In other words, when a person has, when a person studied Torah yesterday, yesterday's Torah study, the Torah study of Monday is going to give you spiritual energy in your Tuesday prayer. Your Torah study of Tuesday, or maybe your Torah study early morning on Tuesday, before you daven, you learn something, whether you're learning Hasidus, or you're learning even Talmud, or anything. You're learning Torah. Torah gives you the stuff, the Chachma and Bina, that gives you the ability to have your Das, which is the Kavana, which later. Now how do you study Torah? With your tongue. So therefore the Tzemach Tzedek says something very interesting. You see that in a physical intimacy as well. Before there is a physical union, an intimacy, an actual physical union between, uh, between the a husband and a wife, um, they'll first, they first engage in hugging and kissing. And the kissing is with their tongue. And the amazing thing is, he says, can you be in a kiss with God when you're studying Torah? You're actually in a deep kiss with God. Because your, your breath, what times when two people are kissing? Their breath meets. The two breaths become one. When you're speaking God's words, you're breathing, you're creating words, and God is speaking right now, and the, and the person's breath and God's breath are one. So in order for there to be, that's what the sages mean when they say, Talmud is so great, it brings to action. Because with, what will create the warmth and the excitement that will allow the physical union, which in this case is the channeling of the, of the first you need the, the kavana, which is the energy because as we said earlier, if, 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 let's say the woman is not into it, that might cause the man to be completely not interested. And as a result of that, there is no flow going down his spine, and therefore there's, there's no excitement, there's no, he can't, he can't give her anything. There's no, there's no energy, there's no attachment. So we have to realize that all these things apply in a very deep way. Torah study is the kissing 
that, the, that, that a yid is in a state that's called in Kabbalah, it's called zivuk neshikin. It's the zivuk, it's the union of the kiss. When that is established, that, that creates the attachment on a higher, more spiritual level, which later gives the energy in prayer, which is the 18 vertebrae, which later will take the energy, the sexual energy, of the seminal drop and actual transmit it in the actual doing of a mitzvah. That's the power of a Jew, and that's what it means. No one said this. See, when you go to Hebrew school and you learn about mitzvah, you do bar mitzvah, no one teaches you that this is really a deep union with the infinite light of God, and that's what mitzvahs are really all about. It's amazing this. It's, and we have an opportunity to do that. We have to be aware of, of, of and, and sadly in yeshivas, of course, okay, this would be too taboo to talk about, but at least once people get a little older, we can discuss and teach that this is huge. And there has to be that intimacy, there has to be that connection in, in the union between Hashem. And so that's where we see the tongue and the bris are aligned with each other. Torah study and the actual... Now, what happens when Jews are lacking? Oh, by the way, this will also explain an interesting passage of the Talmud. The Talmud is great. The Talmud has such secrets, but it's also phenomenal. The Talmud in Mesechta Savoy de Zara Gimel discusses God's daily schedule. What does God do? You ever see a book that can tell you what God does? Let's see, what is, if, if, you know, if you can look at his calendar, what does he do with these? So the Talmud says the first three hours he does so and so. The second three hours he does so and so. The third three hours he does so. And it goes through the day. And it goes through all the day hours. Twelve hours of the day. Then the Talmud says, what does he do at night? So one opinion is he does exactly what he does in the day. So, so to repeat. The other opinion, no. Says he's flying on a, tr- he's flying, he's soaring on a cherub on a very light cherub, Kruvkal, a light cherub, and he's soaring through 18,000 worlds. This is a strange thing for God to do. Every night he hops onto his cherub that takes him on a flight, and he's flying through 18,000 worlds. So what does that mean? Nighttime is a time of intimacy. The 18,000 worlds is the 18 divine vertebrae which are bringing the energy down from the Das, up here, from the Ein Sof, down into Malchus, into the Shekhinah. So it's going down through the 18 stages. That's the meaning of this deep secret, what the sages are saying, that God is going through Chai, Elef, Alfin, Almen, 18,000 vertebrae, bringing that energy down, down, down. That's what we do during prayer. We assist that flow for it to come down, to be ready for the transmission to Malchus. This is all happening when we're learning Torah and we're doing mitzvahs and we're the way we're supposed to, we're creating this tremendous union between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah, between God's energy and the creation. All is great. And that's the idea of bris. Bris is what holds it all together. God forbid there is a lack of both elements of bris, which means there is no Torah study People are not engaging in Torah study. And there's also a lack of mitzvah observance in general. Primarily there's a violation regarding the bris, the circumcision. A lack of making a circumcision. Or one's usage of their sexual power in an unholy way. Meaning one's lacking. 
because then, then what happens? He says like this, in order for this powerful attachment to happen, there needs to be on our end, there needs to be on our end um, a stimulation from below. A man will get turned on in a sexual way if he sees his wife desires him. She's longing for him. So she's waiting for him. She's longing for him. She dresses for him. She's, she creates the mood. The woman needs to create the mood. And that's the way it says that um, man and woman are called ish the isha. Ish and isha mean, ish is man. Ish, ish is ish yud, the fire of the yud. That's the man's ish. The woman's ish, but how does the man get his fire turned on? What turns the man on? He's turned on by the fire of the woman. Isha, ish hey, hey is the female. Her fire stimulates and, 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 and awakens his fire, but he needs her fire. Vel isheich chukasech, God says to Chava when he curses her, that your, your longing will always be to your husband. And that longing of the woman creates the longing in the man. Now, by the way, just to say an interesting idea. The sexual energy, this transmission from, from the man to the woman, from the cosmic man to the cosmic woman, being that the woman represents creation and God is infinite, it says that that comes through a powerful element of gvura. Let me, let me translate that first in, in, human, in the human experience. Um, in order for a person to have uh, an intimacy, there are many powers in the, in the human psyche that have to be turned on. But one of the most, the most important power that has to be turned on is the power of gavura, the power of strength. And the reason why the power of strength needs to be poured, the power, which the power of tr- strength really means the power of contraction. That's what we see in act, an actual, um, an actual uh, intimacy involves, I, 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 I didn't want to get graphic, but it involves an ejaculation when it involves a constant contraction. The reason why it's a contraction, what's the idea of a contraction? A contraction means that the energy can't flow loosely. If the energy flows loosely, there is no, there is no, it can't be transmitted. The whole potency of, a, of, I mean, people who can't have children is they're lacking, uh, I don't think they call it vir- 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 virility or something like that. They're lacking that, they're lacking the gavura. The gavura is what creates a holding back. And the holding back, precisely the holding back, is what creates the intensity of the giving. It's the, stim- it's the stopping and the flow, the stopping of the flow. If there's no stop and it's just the flow, there's no energy, there's no vitality in it. Why is that? The answer is because when you're in an intimacy, as we said earlier, and you're creating, what are you giving to your spouse? What is the man giving to his woman, to his wife? He's giving his essence. Now, to give your essence, 
it's too much. The only way you can transmit your essence is by is by severely severe or dramatically contracting through a powerful contraction, through a very powerful contraction, you can take, like for instance, when it says that God came down to live in this world, in the, in the Mishkan, it says, Tzimtzum, God contracts, Shechinasa Yishchina, Shnei Because since Hashem is giving us His very self, it can't come just, it's like the sages say, if you want to teach, it doesn't mean, what I'm saying is, let me explain this a little better. When you're saying tzimtzum over here, tzimtzum over here doesn't mean contraction over here doesn't mean withholding. Contraction over here means compressing. You're making a zip drive. You, you, if you want to teach over, you want to give over something very, very rich, the sages say, find a very short formula, not like I'm doing tonight, find a very short formula, a one-liner, put it all into that one line. It's like the Mishnah. Contract it into one line, into one short thing. Then you can give it over. The deeper, the higher it is, it needs a short, a short line. That's the idea. If a man is taking his entire self and putting it, putting it into one drop, that's what it is. You're, re- you're recreating yourself. You're giving substance to create a child who's going to be an entire you. You, you developed yourself, you argue so much about you. Yet, you're giving it over in one sentence. In what? In one seminal drop. That requires a powerful gevura. And that gevura is stimulated, it's stimulated in an intimacy. That gevura, and that's what we generally would say is the heat, the excitement in a relationship. To create that. So where do we find this? The Shekhinah, the female, the recipient, is called Eretz. It's called land. With this we're going to wrap up soon. You'll see in a few minutes. The Shekhinah is called Eretz, earth. The Mashpia, the husband, is called Shamayim. We spoke about it uh, actually two weeks ago in the class. Monday class. If you listen to the class called Why There's So Much Anti-Semitism. I gave a class two weeks ago. So in that class I spoke about how the heavens are male and the earth is female. And, 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 and um, so it says an interesting thing. Especially in, on earth itself, which earth, which physical geographic location is the Shekhinah, literally? Eretz Yisrael. Okay? The land of Israel. The land of Israel is the Shekhinah. Now another name for the land of Israel is Eretz Canaan. Before it was, it was the Canaanite land. Before it became the Jewish land, it's the Canaanite land. Now, it says in the Pasuk, it says, V'cham hu avi Canaan. Cham is the father of Canaan. That means physically, the man Canaan was a descendant of Cham, one of the sons of Noah. Cham. So in the Kabbalists say an interesting thing. They say Cham is from the word heat. He's heated. By the way, he had problems with his sexuality. All the three sons of Noah were told, all the, whoever went into the teva, went into the ark, was told that they're not allowed to have sexual relations during that entire year. Cham was the one who violated it. He didn't listen. Why? He was overheated. He was a very sexual person. He was very intense. Cham means heat. So it says, Cham hu avi knan. 
the father of Canaan, which is Eretz, which is that ability to give to the, to the Shechin in order to transmit, it comes from Chamimus, it comes from heat, it comes from Gvura. That means the mashpia, the, the one who's giving, the husband, has to have gvura. Without gvura, there's no intimacy. And the primary power that is needed for intimacy is that gvura element, the withholding, as we said earlier. Who gives him that gvura, that power to contract, to limit? That's the power of fire. That comes from the woman. Aish, as we said earlier, she has the gvura. Through her yearning for her husband, through her fire, she creates his fire. She stimulates his gvura for that contraction. When it's lacking, there's a problem. So what happens? Now let's say what happens during the time of exile. The time of exile is a time of a breaking in this unity. There's a lacking in this intimacy. Why? When our bris, when our bris on both levels, bris of Torah, the bris of the tongue, and the other bris, are not directed to its holiness and towards God. In other words, we're lacking in our bonding, in our isha, and us being an, a wife. So what happens, that creates within the ish, within the abish, there also a, a lack of excitement. And I'm going to read to you again the passage of the Zohar. But the Zohar says like this, Why will we say, I remember I brought you the, brought you the Zohar. The Zohar says earlier that the Cherev no Kemes Nekam Bris is the, uh, is, is the vengeance for the sins related to one's sexual life. Okay? Matama, why is it so bad? The Zohar says. Begin the Manda Meshaka Bibris. When someone lies, meaning is not faithful to the covenant, Parish Tiyuvta, he causes the desire of the supernal man to go away from his wife. It's like God loses interest in the Shekhinah. He causes that lack of, 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 of excitement. And the one that's supposed to take doesn't take. Who's the one that's... And he doesn't put it in its place. The Kabbalist explained, the Tzemach Tzedek brings, the Kabbalist explains, what does it mean? Since there's no desire, the one that's supposed to take doesn't take. And he can't give it to its place. What does that mean? The one that's supposed to take is the attribute of Yesod. The attribute of Yesod, foundation, which is, corresponds to the sexual organ, is not received, it's called kol. The reason why it's called kol is because it receives from all the entire body. It receives the entire energy. It's not receiving because there's no desire. And that would simply mean it's like a person doesn't have a desire. And then what happens? And then he can't give it to her if there's no, if there's no excitement in the yesod. So there's, he can't give it to Malchus, which is her, which is the Shekhinah. So there's no union and there's no intimacy. And therefore, and the opposite, some, a tzaddik, who, why is a tzaddik so attractive? A true tzaddik is so attractive. It's like a pull because the tzaddik is attracting God. He's attracting the Tremendous, powerful, cosmic, intense, uh, intimate energy is flowing through him. Because someone who's holy, then what? He creates that excitement. 
and that bris is going to its place. And the cosmos are blessed with a much deeper flow of divine energy which comes through that intimacy. That's a Zohar in Parshas Va'era. Now, another Zohar, and I wanted to share this, which also explains. The Zohar, he brings the Zohar in Parshas Va'era, and here's another Zohar in Parshas Bishalach. It says a Pasuk, Koyl Tseifayach, talking about when Mashiach will come. The sound of those that are hoping for you. Nasu Koyl, when they raise their voice. That was, that, that's, who are the ones that are waiting for you? It's talking about the people that wait for Mashiach every day. That's talking about the women that were all giving their voice of longing this past year that Mashiach needs to come. They wait. When will God have mercy already? To build his house. It says, When the end together they will all sing. And then it says, When God will return Zion. When God will return Zion. So the Zohar asks a question. What does it mean? This is this is on the. What does it mean? God will return Zion. God will return Zion. It should have said Bishuv Hashem when Hashem will return Lit Zion to Zion. We want Hashem to reach, to return to to Zion to Zion. He's gone away from Zion, which is Yerushalayim, and we're asking him to come back to Jerusalem to come back to Zion. What does it mean Bishuv Hashem Zion? So the Zohar says no Tachazi. It's a very amazing thing. When Jerusalem below was destroyed, and the Jewish people were, were exiled, God took away the Tzion. What's Tzion? Tzion is Yosef. Tzion is the same gematria. Zion is the same gematria as Yosef. Yosef is the... The, the, the Yesod, which is that set, the bris. That's what Yosef is. Hashem took away Tzion, means Tzion becomes dysfunctional. It's like, God forbid, I'm sorry to, to use the term, again, let's understand this all anthropomorphically speaking. This is like there is a, 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 an ED problem. There is no excitement. So therefore, there is, there, there, and therefore begin the Knesset Yisrael, the Strachas, he takes it back to himself, which means there is no point of connection and excitement in him to give to her, because she's not interested in him. So he doesn't have any interest. What happens at that point? Didn't we say before there is this chum, there is this chamimos, there is this heat? This gevura? The gevura remains, but it's not flowing to his wife. It comes down as... It's like a person, I mean, I, I don't want to cause you to use a muscle, but it's almost like a person that does not have an intimacy, so he has a lot of frustration, and then the gavura will come out, but it will come out in harmful ways. It won't come out in a, in a you know, and that means that God releases gavura into the world, but it becomes powerful gavura of, of, of harmful gavura, powers of God's wrath. And that's the cherev no chemes nakambris. That's that sword that we spoke about earlier that is given to the forces of evil, of klippa. They use those forces because the gavura is not being channeled as a holy gavura where it needs to into this intimate relationship between Hashem and the Shekhinah. Why? Because when the Knesset Yisrael were, 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 were driven out, 
there is no more sexual desire, so to speak, in God. And the Tzion was taken away. Tzion is the Yesod, is the bris, and that's not here anymore. Meaning to say, it's not in a state of excitement, it's in a state of dysfunction. That's its state during the whole Golas. And therefore, this is a Zohar and Beshalach, Daf Nun, I think Daf Nun, Nun Hey Amad Beis, powerful Zohar. So therefore, that's why it says that during the time of Golos, there's a Pasuk in Eov. It says, Venohar and the river, Yech, uh, 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 um, uh, uh, the river, was the Lashin, I'm going to give you over here. Oh, Venohar, Yechrav, oh, and you know what happens? She becomes, the Jewish people, the Shekhinah, becomes like Hoysa Kalmana. She becomes like a widow whose husband left her. And the sages say, he didn't divorce her, but the sages say, he went to Medina Sayam. He went to another country. He went overseas. Why did the sages use the term that he went overseas? It means that God's interest is elevated into the supernal high realms of the sea above, and he's not focusing on his bride. He's focusing in the Yam HaChachma, in the sea of wisdom, but he's not focusing his energy down here into creation to his wife that he really wants. And as a result of that, what does it say? There's a Pasuk in Eov that says, V'nohar, and the river, Yechrav, becomes dry, V'yavesh, and becomes completely dry. So the sages say, Yechrav in the first temple, when the first temple was destroyed, Yavesh, completely dry when the second temple was destroyed. These are two levels of drying up. Once the first temple was destroyed, it was never that passionate. The romance was already, was gone. Even when the second temple came back, it never was back to the romance that was in the first place of Mikdash. Once the second temple was, was, was destroyed, the whole romance has been completely dried up. So where do we stand? That's the reason. So now we have to get the romance back. That's what the Pasuk says. as brisi. I will remember my covenants. The Zacharti doesn't just mean remember. Zacharti also comes from the word Zachar. Zachar means male. I will email my covenant. That means I will bring back virility into my covenant, which means I will get excited again about you. The Zacharti, I will email as Brisi my, my covenant. Why the covenant of Yaakov and, and, and Yitzchak and Avram? You know that Avram is Chesed. Yitzchak is Gevura and Yaakov is Teferis. And we know that Yesod, which is the, the bris, receives from Chesed, Gevura, and Teferis, and then it goes down. Yosef is, this, is the child of Yaakov who is receiving from Avram and Yitzchak, which means it's, it's like um, the, the bris meal is also referred to sometimes as a keshes. A keshes means a bow, like a bow that shoots an arrow. So the, 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 the bris is considered a keshes because it, it, it will send off an arrow of essential energy and life to create a child. It's called a keshes. A, a bow, a bow and arrow is made up of three, uh, uh, a, a, the, 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 the real colors of the rainbow are three colors, which are well, the three, three main colors. So that's Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. That's why the Zohar says, you don't know when Mashiach comes when the rainbow will be shining in bright colors. That means when the flow of Chesed, Gavur, Teferis flow down into Yesod, 
So v'zacharti, I will remember as brisi Yaakov, as brisi Avram, as brisi Yitzchak. Then there will be again excitement in the by, so to speak, by Hashem. And then what? Va'oretz eskar, and the earth I will remember. That's the intimacy because the earth is the shechinah. Earth is the world. Once there is that vitality and that vibrancy coming back, and we will go out of this dysfunctional state, our marriage will be again. Um, re reestablished, and not only will it be reestablished, but the ultimate revelation of this intimacy from God is only going to be in the future. It says in the pasuk by Yosef Atzadik, it says Vateshev beetan kashto. Kashto means his bow. Etan means strong. That's referring to the time when there was excitement in the male. That's called etan, the excitement, firm strength. But it says in Kabbalah and Chasidus that the word etan is in the future. Whenever there's an Aleph in the beginning, Eitan means, because the truth is, the true romance we've never had, God is waiting already 6,000 years for this intimacy. And that's going to be when Mashiach comes. What does it mean? What are we going to get when we get that intimacy? What are we going to get? Just like we said before, the, the husband transmits his essence of his mind. We're going to receive Torah Chadasha, the new Torah. The deepest secrets of the Torah, that's that transmission that Mashiach is going to teach. That's going to be the vibrant flow of energy coming from this intimacy, from this union of Knesset Yisrael, of the Jewish people with Hashem, which is all a result of, and that's why this is the last psukim of the Teichacha. What's going to be the end of days? You're going to get back into it. And if I can probably say, I would say as follows. The reason why Hasidus came to the world in the last few hundred years was that, that the Jewish people should start doing mitzvahs with longing for God. That's the whole idea of chasidut. Of chasidut is to create the fire, the soul, the yearning, that mitzvahs are not just a program to be a good person, but a mitzvah because you want to cleave to God, you want to connect to Hashem. You know, in the early days, the mitznagdim, the non-chasidim, accused the chasidim, they said that chasidim do all kinds of shaking during prayer, which in the, there are in their writings, they say, they're, 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 because they look at their prayer as an intimacy with God, and they're like, they're, they're moving as if they're in a, as if they're in a uh, sexual state with, with God. That's what they accuse the Hasidim for. Obviously, that's, that's ridiculous. That's taking it out of context. We're talking about a power. The, yes, the shaking and the, expresses the longing of the soul. We're not Jewish just doing a mitzvah. We're doing a mitzvah because we want this intimacy and this bonding and this union with the Ebersh there, with God. And this is a Zacharti, as Brisi Yaakov, as Brisi Yasavram, Va'aretz Eskome. We married already that this intense relationship should be restored and elevated much, much higher than it has ever been. And we should see it already happening now, 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 and now. <laughs> Soy Reddy, soy Reddy.